Balls. He's a libertarian in chief. This is the libertarian chief chat. Just a libertarian chit chat with the chief. Oh, hey, I'm Kevin. I'm here too. The clown. All right. Welcome to Chief Chats with Kevin Hobby and Todd Hagopian. I'm Kevin Hobby. And I am Todd Hagopian. And we are doing an election special today. The Oklahoma State Libertarian Party is having elections towards the end of March. Kevin and I are both running for positions. Um, we spend most of this podcast interviewing other people and talking about who they are. We thought we'd do one episode today telling you a little bit more about who we are why we're running for what position we're running for and what our vision is for the Oklahoma party. Um, in addition, probably in a couple of weeks, right before the convention, we will have another one of these where we will take questions, uh, both pre-recorded questions and then questions live probably. Uh, so if you like what you hear today or if you don't get your questions answered, get ready. And in two or three weeks, we will be doing this again. Um, so Kevin is going to be running for chair of the Oklahoma Libertarian Party, and myself, Todd Hagopian, will be running for treasurer of the Oklahoma Libertarian Party. And I think we'll go ahead and let you start, Kevin. Talk a little bit about your background in libertarianism, what made you decide to run, and then what your vision is for Oklahoma. Um, so I uh, have been part of the OKLP for... Uh, a little over two years now. I first came in um, as an independent and got involved with Chad Williams' um, race whenever he was running for city council of the city of Choctaw. I came in and was treasurer on his campaign. It was right at the end. So it wasn't like I was there the whole time or anything like that. I think I ended up being there for like five weeks of the whole like three, four month campaign that he had. And then I rolled into my first convention. I ran for vice chair um, because I saw an opportunity where um, I felt like I could make a difference in something with, that would allow me to get involved without, um, with the limited amount of knowledge that I had of like Robert's rules and, and all of those things, you know, as a chair, you, you kind of need to have a better grasp of the bylaws and things like that. So. I uh, ran um, and ended up winning that election. Came in and um, we did a lot. Um, that first year, we, we really tried to get out. We really tried to change a lot of things with the way that things were going with the OKLP. Um, and then, of course, you know, this is something that gets brought up a lot whenever people are talking about my campaign and stuff. But I was offered an opportunity with the company to really, really advance my career. And the original plan was that I was going to be able to go back and forth between Montana and Oklahoma. And then lo and behold, COVID happens. So because of the lockdowns and the flights and my position within the company, I wasn't able to travel as much. Um, I kind of thought that those would all would lift up and that I could be you know, I could continue to serve, but after a while, it became really apparent that that was just not going to happen. So I made the decision to step away from that position. Um, I had in the hopes thought that that would be filled by somebody that could be there and kind of 
give the attention to that position that I couldn't um, by not physically being there. But of course, the lockdowns continued and things like that. And in the end, it was kind of all for naught. You know, they never, the OKLP never filled my spot and the lockdowns and everything continued. So I could have stayed in that position, but ethically and morally for me, it was just something that I had to step away from. Um, I wasn't able to dedicate the time that I wanted to to it and the time that I thought it deserved. So to me, I'm not going to do anything if I can't be 100% in it. Um, due to changes in the market, due to the a lot of the lockdowns ending and things like that, I'm now back and am able to become a part of the movement again, actually be there physically and things like that. I never really left the movement, but overall being a part of the OKLP, I can be more active now because I'll be around and in Oklahoma City, the capital, you know, kind of where everything's happening. That's where I'm going to be. That's where I'm going to be working out of. And that's where my house is and all of that good stuff. So when I came back, I um, reached out to see if, you know, I could fill the spot, my vice chair seat back, um, was informed that it would require a special election. Um, then I was informed that Chad was not going to be seeking re-election. Um, I felt like that was my opportunity to come in and kind of change the direction that the OKLP has been heading in and um, kind of experiment with my idea of how we can spread libertarianism and how we can provide value to the large amount of the 99.87% of registered libertarians in Oklahoma that are not a, a part of the OKLP, that are not dues-paying members. And um, so I decided that I was going to run for chair um, and just running under this idea of proving that our product works before selling it. You know, I, I think we spent a long time being the smartest people in the room and winning internet arguments. I normally would say winning internet arguments and losing elections, but the OKLP has had some pretty substantial wins here in the past year and has really gained some ground. I think that it is growing. Um, however, I think that we, we have an issue with our messaging in that we talk a lot. Um, and we exchange these ideas and we kind of expound how intelligent we are and how big of a grasp we have on all of these things, but we're not out in the community. We're not showing that volunteerism works. So my vision is an OKLP that is out there that is participating in food banks and neighborhood cleanups and local charities and all of these things. And my belief is that through that, we can showcase that the OKLP is, is worth getting involved in, even if you're not gonna be involved in the political side, we're gonna be doing a lot of things for everyday Oklahomans and things that will benefit those people that you know, may not look at us as a, as a viable party for them. Once I believe that we can kind of turn the tide of being the smartest people in the room to being the most compassionate, and those 15,000 registered Oklahoma libertarians who are not a part of the party will 
see value in that and want to get involved and through that we can maybe find our next candidates you know one of our big things right now is candidate recruitment i mean there's there's only 130 um, active members of the oklp and of those there's probably only 18 or 20 that are really super active and so our our pool for candidates is not very big i believe that the most winning candidate in oklahoma is probably somebody that isn't even a part of the oklp right now because they don't see any value in it and i believe that right now we have um there's some i wouldn't say turmoil but there's definitely some tension within the party on all sides not just in oklahoma but everywhere and i believe that the skills that i've acquired from running businesses over the years and being involved in different boards like the Oklahoma Petroleum Alliance, the Oklahoma Energy Alliance, the Mid-Continent Exploration and Production Society, all of these different boards bringing different ideas together. I believe that I can use those skills in order to kind of quell some of the fears and some of the anxieties that are going on within the party right now. And you know, I realized that two years is not a lot. I haven't, and, you know, in that two years, there was a three, four month period where I wasn't active with the party. I understand those things, but we've been doing the same thing for, you know, really since we gained ballot access. And I'm just asking to try two years of my plan. And if the OKLP doesn't like it or my plan doesn't work, we can always go back to what we were doing before. But right now we have a less than 1% capture rate with what we've been doing. And, and I think it's time for a change. Yeah, no, that's really great. And I'm gonna ask a few questions um, to have you expound on some stuff. So first of all, uh, can you go into your background a little bit uh, more about what you've done for work and why it's put you in a good position uh, to take on a leadership role like this? Um, yeah, so I, um, whenever I was younger, I started a consulting firm that um, I did fairly well. I, through that, I was managed um, about 130 people and of all varying backgrounds and things like that. We mainly focused on energy, um, more specifically in uh, the, the health, safety, and environmental aspect of energy. And um, I ended up selling that company, coming in to the company that bought mine as an operations manager and continued on with that. Um, after a couple of years of doing that, I left that company and uh, started another firm, um, did some independent work, things like that. But because of the industry and the way that things were going, um, I felt that it was time for me to get something that was a little more stable because I traveled a lot and it, it was um, pretty all over the place. So that's why I ended up joining up with a larger corporation and uh, coming in and taking a managerial role with them. Um, I believe that through working in the health, safety, environmental, I have quite literally for about 11 years now, brought people together with ideas that they don't necessarily support. Um, so I, I have experience, I have conflict resolution, I have 
leadership skills. I have a lot of these things that you would want in somebody that you would want to run a company like I have. And I believe that running a company in a political organization, they may not be totally identical, but a lot of the skills, you know, they, they cross-reference. And uh, I believe that those skills that I bring to the table, especially with conflict resolution, because we as libertarians like to fight a lot, is uh, I think that that's going to be the number one thing that I bring. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. I think um, that was something I wanted to make sure people understood. Serial entrepreneur, high-level manager in a big company, uh, lots of managerial experience in an industry where typically you're delivering bad news to folks or bad recommendations in their eyes that's going to make their job more difficult or more expensive. And you need to basically get them to agree um, to your recommendations. I think that's important for people to understand. That's not a, a aspect of most people's job um, is to walk into a room and be the bad guy almost every time and walk out of the room and have everybody have agreed to your plan. Yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, you just got to get used to being the bad guy, but, but also swaying people's opinions and, you know, trying to find common ground and compromise. Um, that's, a, that's another big part of, of my job. Another unique thing that it brings um, is I, because of, especially on the environmental end, I have seen the pitfalls of government intervention into a couple of different things and have some insight that a lot of people don't, you know. I, uh, throughout this campaign, I've been asked several times about environmental issues and things like that. And uh, I'm in a unique position to be able to explain that most of the things that get blamed on large corporations and capitalism and all of these other things are actually not. Most of them are due to government intervention. And so, um, especially in a state like Oklahoma, where, you know, I think it's, I think now it's lower than what it was, but I think upwards of 43% of people are involved in energy in Oklahoma. Um, so another thing that I bring outside of the experience and all of that is I have connections with large donors. I have connections with people that employ the vast majority of Oklahomans and have a platform that maybe a lot of other people in the OKLP don't have. Um, you know, serving on these different energy boards and being involved in things like that is, um, I feel like it, it brings a unique skill set whenever we're trying to raise funding for campaigns or get volunteers to go out and knock doors and things like that. Um, I feel like that's that's definitely something that I want to highlight as well. That doesn't, I don't really talk about it a lot, um, but I, I I do have an in and access to things that that most people wouldn't, if that makes sense. No, it does, <clears throat> and I think um, I'm not going to ask you a ton of questions today. I just wanted to make sure people got a good sense of who you were and and what you've done, um, and then. Folks, if you have questions for Kevin, you can start emailing them to us anytime because uh, in two or three weeks, we'll do a big Q&A session, ask me anything session with both of us. Um, but that gives you a brief introduction of who Kevin is. I know we just haven't talked about ourselves that much on this podcast. And we want to make sure you folks know 
who we are and um, what we're running for. Kevin, any last words on Vision for Oklahoma uh, platform, things like that? Um, one of the things that I, I want to talk about is um, I've had several people reach out to me about donating to my campaign. Um, I don't need donations. Um, I'm self. I, I'm self-funded. I uh, am, am not soliciting any money for this or anything like that. However, one thing that I am doing is um, if you will check me out on Facebook or Twitter, you'll see a little bit more details. But I believe in people helping people. I believe that that is the root of libertarianism. And I believe in it to the point that if you donate $25 or more to any Oklahoma charity or food bank or shelter, um, I'll send you a free t-shirt um, with my symbol on it. You can go to my, you can go to any of my pages and see that symbol, that unity symbol. I really believe that um, in doing things like this, we can showcase that libertarians aren't these selfish monsters that we're always kind of portrayed as to the general public. And um, through this, we we're getting close to $550 in three days of us running this. Um, I think that that's really good. That's $550 that these groups didn't have before. And um, I got a lot of t-shirts to print and send out, but I, I think that I just want our audience to know that I, these aren't empty campaign promises. These are things that I genuinely believe in and I'm, I'm willing to put time and effort and money into doing these things and helping Oklahomans. Yeah, no, that was a great idea. And, I, and you've gotten a lot of attention, big, big folks talking about it. And I think it's, um, it's an interesting lesson for other campaigns also that sometimes um, there are better ways to get the message out. And then also um, you can help your community in a way like this, like you weren't planning on, on doing any fundraising anyway. People reached out to you and asked if they could give you money and you said no. And you turned it into an idea where, um, where Oklahomans would help Oklahomans. And I think that's just fantastic. I think it's, it's amazing that you've raised $500 in a few days. Yeah. Um, I don't have a goal with it um, as far as like how much, but it's been, it's been really interesting. Um, but, but I believe in it, you know, um, I also want people to know that if, you know, if I don't, uh, if I don't win this election, I'm still going to be doing these things. So if, you know, if you believe in this and you see that, you know, it didn't work out for me, then reach out to me. Let's, we're still going to be doing this. We're still going to be spreading this message of liberty through community service and trying to prove that our product works before we sell it. Yep. No, that's fantastic. Great, Kevin. Well, we're looking forward to the run. Um, obviously, I've endorsed you. Uh, so I think, um, and I think a number of other endorsements are either out there or going to be out there. Um, but just really excited to see what you can do um, with this position. I, we, you and I have been friends now for uh, three plus years, I think, or right around that time, and uh, just been really impressed with your growth inside the party and your enthusiasm and your ability to bring people in. You actually brought me into the Oklahoma party. I had been a libertarian since 2016, but you brought me into the Oklahoma party and got me active on the ground, uh, so I really appreciate that as well. Yeah, um... So let's segue into your campaign. 
you want to give a little bit of your background and kind of go through, you know, what you've done in the party um, and all of that and, and kind of your vision for this, this position and what you plan on doing. Yep, absolutely. So I'll start real quick with just vision for the position because I'm the background and stuff will make more sense. Uh, I believe that a treasurer of a party should be three things. They should basically be the chief financial officer, which is a lot different than an accountant. It's where you come up with financial strategy, you lay out the long-term goals, you come up with ways to achieve those goals, and you're putting ideas out there uh, for the rest of the board to evaluate. Um, chief fundraising officer, so you're in charge of not only putting together the budget, but also making sure that the revenue meets expectations and or exceeds expectations. And then chief recruiting officer, because if you don't keep recruiting, we saw it this year, you know, we got up to 130 people, we went down to 120, now we're back up to 130. But if you take your foot off the gas, particularly in between presidential elections, your revenue can change dramatically inside of a small state party. Uh, and that can, that can have devastating effects to your effectiveness in between those presidential campaigns. So coming up with a solid recruiting strategy that's going to allow you to retain during the year after a presidential campaign and then start increasing again in between the campaigns and really hit the gas when the campaign comes back. Uh, and that's when we typically gain the most libertarians is an extraordinarily important job that most treasurers don't do, but I think should be part of the treasurer role. Um, so taking a step back, uh, I have been in business for over 20 years now. Um, I was a financial advisor straight out of college, uh, working 80 hours a week, trying to convince people to give me hundreds of thousands of dollars when I was you know, 22 and couldn't grow facial hair. Um, and so that's uh, just the skill that had to be learned on how you can sit in front of somebody and, and command respect. Um, and, and you do that by basically laying out strategies that make sense and finding ways to explain them to people who might be smarter than you or might have different life experiences than you. Um, so I got very good at crafting a strategy, but then also crafting the message so that that strategy could be understood by a wide variety of audiences or have that message crafted in a different way for each audience, which is something that you and I have talked about that the Libertarian Party is terrible at, um, but you have to be able to craft different messages for different audiences. Went on to become a bank manager, managed a small bank at 25. I was the youngest bank manager in Michigan uh, for a couple of years. Um, decided I was going to go back to school, got an MBA in marketing and finance, double major at Michigan State University, which is a top 25 school, um, because I wanted to go and run my own company someday. So I got out of that, uh, went to work for Whirlpool Corporation, making appliances, um, did about $3 billion worth of sales during my time at Whirlpool Corporation, served in marketing roles, pricing and promotion roles, sales roles, product development roles, um, basically had four or five titles inside of six years at Whirlpool, uh, moved up pretty rapidly. Um, but the important part there is I learned how to ask for money. So again, I would, I would have to use this uh, strategy crafting skill, come up with these 100-page long-range plans uh, for the next three years on what we were going to do in the category, 
and then go to the CEO directly to the CEO and ask for millions of dollars to implement these plans. Uh, so the strategy had to be right. The message had to be right. Um, and then you had to know that you were competing with 12 of the smartest guys at Whirlpool because every one of you were offering or asking for a million dollars and only a couple of you were going to get it. Um, and so got very good at asking for money, but more importantly, got good at uh, anticipating the downfalls of a strategy and making sure that that strategy was airtight when we walked in the room. Um, my largest achievement at Whirlpool was I took over a business that was losing $180 million a year. Literally, I lost $500,000 every day I went to work. Um, and in four years, it made its first dollar. So we turned it around into the black after four years of working many, many 70 hour a week uh, weeks. Um, so that's what I did at Whirlpool. I got recruited out of there by a former Whirlpool person to start a marketing department at Illinois Tool Works, which is a conglomerate that owns about 150 companies. Um, so I started their marketing department there. We moved to that company from uh, 42 million in revenue to 67 million, so about a 60% increase in revenue. And we moved it from a $2 million uh, operating income to $15 million operating income, so about a 600% increase in operating income in just three years. We did that um, by basically changing the way we sold the same exact products that we had in place. Um, so again, it was coming up with a brand new strategy, taking it to the market, telling a different story than what was told before, um, and going a uh, different go-to-market strategy, and basically blew the doors off of it. Um, I ended up becoming the business unit manager of that business, so the GMVP, uh, the president of that business um, after about the second year. Uh, got recruited to Oklahoma in 2018, at the beginning of 2018, came in and took over a $50 million company that makes shopping carts here in Oklahoma. Um, this company was losing money. I basically had to turn it around, um, spent two years uh, having a, a very interesting job in Oklahoma, 250 employees, two plants, two states, um, two different teams, a couple different products, um, and just had a really good time learning how to turn around a business and manage um, manage as things went to hell. It was a really interesting job. Pandemic came, and I lost that job, unfortunately, during a consolidation, uh, and I didn't know if I was going to stay in Oklahoma. Um, decided to buy my own company, which is what I'm doing now, uh, so I went out and took a huge risk, took a few million dollar loan and bought a company that I now run. Uh, and I'm in the process of considering purchasing a couple more companies and rolling them into a portfolio. Um, so again, coming up with strategies, implementing those strategies, I believe in myself and that ability enough uh, that I was willing to put my name on a $2 million loan um, and, and go that far. So from a Libertarian Party perspective, um, I became a libertarian in 16. I started following libertarian politics in 12. Uh, I was very nearby Justin Amash uh, when he was elected and got into libertarian politics, started following what he was saying. By 2016, I had actually um, joined the Ohio Libertarian Party and endorsed Austin Peterson at one point in time. Um, 2017, I believe I joined the National Libertarian Party. 2018, I came to Oklahoma, 
2019, I joined the Oklahoma Libertarian Party. Um, And then I think it was the end of 2019, early 2020, uh, when the opportunity arose to potentially become the region chair, uh, the regional chair for the Northeast region of Oklahoma. That happened shortly after a um, brief race for the national chair of the party. Um, but I was approached and decided to, to put my name in and I was chosen to be the Northeast region chair of Oklahoma, which is the Tulsa region. It had been a region that had been beaten down a little bit, hadn't had fantastic leadership over the last few years and really had gotten to a point where nobody was showing up to anything. Um, Over the last year, we have built that region back up. We currently have about 20 people RSVP'd for the regional convention uh, that will happen in March right before our convention. I will not be running for a seat in that convention. My goal is to put four fantastic people in place on the state XCOM instead of just me, who is what the XCOM is right now, um, so that they can take it and run with that region and start building the affiliates, which we did build one in Washington County this last year, but I'd like to see three or four more go up and I'd like to see bylaws ratified and things like that. But I didn't feel comfortable doing all that without a team um, to be bouncing that off of. So I, I wanna put the team in place and then let them run with it. On top of that, inside the party, um, some of you may know I ran for corporation commission last year Uh, I got 345,000 votes in a head-to-head race with GOP, which secured our ballot access here in Oklahoma for 2024. I also worked on the Hornberger campaign on his senior team, um, and they came, we came in second uh, in that presidential campaign, that presidential primary. Um, So I guess from a libertarian standpoint, I've worked on a campaign, I've ran my own campaign, I've been a regional chair. and uh, from a work work standpoint, I've got all the skills that I believe I need to be an effective treasurer, obviously a CFO type treasurer, um, not an accountant and also a chief fundraiser and chief recruiter. It's all about putting long-term strategies in place, getting buy-in on those strategies and then driving them into the, you know, quote unquote market and, and actually executing those strategies. That's why I think I'd make a good treasure and I'm looking forward to um, that election. Yeah, I just want to really highlight the fact that you're, because I, I don't think that a lot of people understand this, but your idea of a treasurer is radically different than what we, what we traditionally think of as a treasurer. So most of the time the treasurer is like you said, the account. You know, they, they make sure that everything is filed correctly and, you know, they present the budget and things like that. But you're talking about taking a more active role and actually, you know, kind of taking a keys to the purse type role. Is that correct? That's right. And I should mention just from an accounting standpoint, I was the treasurer of my own campaign and my campaign Um, brought in approximately four times the revenue of the Oklahoma party. So I'm perfectly capable of doing the reports necessary and, um, and, you know, uh, doing the accounting portion of the job. I just think that that's the least important part of the job. And if more states dealt with it the way that I'm proposing, I think that we would be growing a lot faster in more states. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that your, you know, your skill set um, of running these businesses and especially your knowledge in the finance department and things like that on top of having run a campaign, having, you know, dealt with the, all of the really arbitrary rules whenever it comes to that and everything like that. I think that those are big, big things that really need to be highlighted because I think for the most part, you know, people say, well, yeah, he, you know, he, he ran some businesses and now he wants to be an accountant, but your idea is, is radically different than that. You're trying to bring this skill set, this very unique skill set that you have in order to change the way that that position operates. Um, and I, I think that it's, I think that it's a really good idea. I'm just surprised that nobody has thought of it in that way. Yeah. In every business that I've run, my, you know, quote unquote, right-hand man has always been the CFO. Um, I've had great marketing directors and I've had great sales vice presidents. Um, but my right-hand man has always been the CFO. And if you can get a CFO who understands marketing and who understands strategy, then you can be a very dangerous combination. So like somebody like you who comes in as chair and has a, CE, a CFO who understands how to put together a long range plan, who understands how to put together and execute a marketing strategy on how you're going to grow and who understands and can execute an operational strategy on what you do if you make this much revenue and then how you're going to react if revenue goes up X percent or down X percent, uh, you become a very, very dangerous leader who can do some awesome things, uh, but you need that right-hand man. And that's what I've always valued. Uh, and I've never been, I've been a right-hand man from a marketing perspective, uh, but I am, I am looking forward to being a right-hand man from a finance perspective, because I think that I can do that job now that I've had those folks working for me for so long uh, and I'm excited about it. Yeah. Um, another thing that I want to highlight, I know we've drugged this out a little longer than what we had anticipated, but one thing that I really want to highlight and one of the reasons why, you know, it was so quick for me to endorse you, um, you know, besides that we have the podcast, besides that we've known each other for so long is that, you know, growth needs to be the number one thing that, that in my opinion that needs to be the number one thing that we're focusing on as a party is growth and generating this and one thing that you didn't bring up you're a huge recruiter for the party for national for state you it's funny it's it's funny because a lot of people don't realize this but before you were involved you recruited me to the OKLP you know you brought up earlier that I recruited you to the OKLP but you left out the part that you're the you're the only reason that I got involved with Chad's campaign. Yeah. And so you're a huge recruiter on that end too. So you you can serve this dual role because I think that the XCOM needs to be focused on growth and getting more people into the party because the more bodies that we have, the more boots on the ground, it all works in cohesion, right? So if you're recruiting people and, and I'm recruiting people and the secretary's recruiting people and the vice chair's recruiting people, then that's more people that we have, not only as a candidate pool, but as people to pass out literature, people to be knocking on doors and, and all of those things. And just like Chris Powell just proved, when you do those basic things, 
when you have volunteers that knock on doors, when you have people that make phone calls, you can really win. You can win by a lot. I mean, he just won with 76% of the vote, which is an insane amount for a libertarian. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and when I first came to Oklahoma, I knew the libertarians. I'd reached out to the governor, uh, the gubernatorial candidates, and I endorsed Chris and uh, followed his campaign, but didn't really work on it. When he ran for city council, I did make a hundred and some odd phone calls for him to the folks in his district. Um, and so when you reached out to me, I knew these folks and I put you in touch with them, but I hadn't been on the ground yet. Um, and then you were the one that recruited me to be on the ground where, you know, I guess making phone calls is on the ground, but you recruited me to be, you know, involved in the state party from a leadership standpoint. But yeah, from a recruiting standpoint, obviously, you know, um, stupid metric, but I am clearly, you know, on Twitter quite a bit. I get 50 million impressions a year on Twitter. Um, I recruit as hard as I can for the National LP, the Mises Caucus, and the OKLP. Um, I don't have the number right in front of me, but the Tulsa, um, the Tulsa region, so the Northeast region, I think we like tripled in membership in the last year since I took over. Um, and then, uh, and then we're, we have a significant portion of the folks who have already signed up for uh, the convention have come from our recruiting efforts. Um, so I'm very proud of that. Uh, it's not something I talk about a lot, uh, but you will. I mean, if you go out and look at who's posting the link and hitting all the different um, hitting all the different things, I've got four different Facebook pages that that link goes up at least once a week. I'm putting it out on Twitter in front of hundreds or tens of thousands of people. Um, and people are clicking that link and I know how many people are clicking it and I can tell how many people are signing up and we're doing a really good job. We were thinking we might only get 20 to 30 folks at this year's convention. We already have sold 29 tickets um, after just a month and we have a whole nother month left. So I'm pretty, uh, pretty happy with where we are from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah, totally agree. Um, do you have any closing statements? No, I mean, it's just, uh, I think I think we have a lot of strong folks in Oklahoma. I think we have a lot of excitement. We have a whole lot of new people that are joining the party right now. We just really need to focus on growth. And this, this two to three year period here between elections is gonna be enormously important. We need to lock up ballot access again in 2022. We need to have people that are ready to activate on the ground. Um, and then if we can actually grow during the down years, which the Libertarian Party usually drops in membership, if we can grow over the next two years, we will put ourselves in a fantastic situation to be extremely strong in 2024. And I think that's the goal. Uh, so I know this is only a two-year term, but the goal is to, to put ourselves in an extremely strong position for 2024 and maintain ballot access along the way. Um, and on top of that, I would say just a, a secondary goal is to activate as many county affiliates as possible. I think that that's something that's really going to help our boots on the ground effort. Yep, I totally agree. I think that focusing on growth is going to be the number one thing. The thing that that I really want to focus on is growth, but mainly capturing more of the people that decide that they're going to register libertarian in Oklahoma. Yeah. If we could just capture 1% more, if we captured just 1%, 1% of 
we're doubling our numbers. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, no, and we, um, you know, obviously during my campaign, we had purchased um, information on the Libertarian Party um, registered voters. I've donated that information to the um, to the state, and the state has uh, just recently started to use that information to try to recruit. And I think it's going to be a game changer for us. I think that we are going to grow this party if we don't double this party in the next two to three years. Um, <clears throat> from an OKLP membership, I'll be extraordinarily disappointed. And I think we might have a chance at even doubling the party by 2024 from a registered voters perspective, which would be impressive as well. Yeah, totally agree. Well, guys, thanks for listening to us. I know we said this was going to be short, but I think we ran about 40 minutes or so. So um definitely not at a loss for words about these campaigns um some things that i'm gonna plug really quick um we are gonna be having a debate at convention um between myself and my opponent prior to that though um if you want to catch us we will be um i'm trying to find the exact date we just got it set up um the 10th of March at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, my opponent and I will be having a debate on the Fight for Liberty podcast. Um, it will not be in a formal, it will not be like a formal setting. Um, however, the one at convention will be. So if you guys want to tune in there, you can see me and my opponent kind of exchange our ideas for the future of the OKLP. Um, and that will probably give you a more clear picture. If you have any questions, feel free to DM me, feel free to DM Todd, feel free to DM the Chief Chats uh, Twitter. You can also uh, shoot us an email. It's chiefchats at gmail.com. That's what I got. Very good. Yep. Yeah. Everything Kevin said, just send us questions. We will answer them. We'll probably uh, a week before the convention or so, we will probably do a big AMA. It'll be a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, everybody.